0: Welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's September the 2nd, 2020, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. But today I am so grateful to be joined by dear friends and partners in ministry, Oscar and Beth Perez, and they are coming to us from Bogota, Colombia. And one of the exciting things that we're gonna get to talk about today is our new foster care program with the local church there in Colombia, where we are seeing local believers in Bogota Go through the process with the government in order to become foster families. We are so excited to see the way that the Lord is moving through the local church, how he is equipping believers to do the work of the kingdom and to live out James 127 in the way that they care for children in Columbia. And beloved, this is the vision of Lifeline, to see the global church equipped to manifest this glorious gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. But before we talk to Oscar and Beth, I want to remind you of Stand for Orphans. And there's a new free resource for you and your family to use. It's the Stand for Orphans VBS. And it features Bible lesson, a craft, a snack, a song, and a scripture memory in each video. Learn about the 12 disciples with your children and how God called and equipped them to love their neighbor as themselves and to take the gospel to the world. And while I know it's... uh, uh, in the middle of school season. It's not vacation season. I know many of our children miss vacation Bible school, and this resource was actually produced by my two daughters, Adeline and Emily, and they walk your children through learning in five lessons about the 12 disciples. So sign up today at lifelinechild.org backslash stand for orphans VBS form. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash stand for Orphans VBS form for free access to this VBS. Well, like I said, we are joined by Oscar and Beth Perez and Oscar joined the Lifeline team in February of 2018. He is originally from Cartagena, uh, Colombia, and he is our Columbia Orphan Care Coordinator and our Latin America Unadopted Manager. We are grateful for Oscar and for the work that he has done. And even before coming to Lifeline, Oscar has worked with orphan and vulnerable children for many, many years. Uh, and his it's a family affair, as he and his aunt, uh, Nelda, actually even worked at the Sparrow Home there in Bogotá. Oscar literally is one of the kindest, uh, most gentle, but also godly men man that I've ever met. He loves the word of God with passion, and he loves his wife extremely well. And then his sweet wife, who I have to call Sassy Beth, uh, she joined the Lifeline team in August of 2011. She has a bachelor's degree in sociology from the University of Mobile and got a master's degree in social work in 2011 from the University of Alabama. Roll tide. She's a social worker and oversees and manages our Latin American programs. But what we're really excited about is that Beth is transitioning to oversee uh, a, a program that Lifeline is so excited about, which is our indigenous care program to see churches all around the world indigenously care through foster care and adoption to see local churches experience domestic adoption. And so I wanted both the Perez's to come on here today to talk a little bit about our work in Colombia, but specifically what we're seeing happening through the local church. So Sassy, can you just share a little bit about how Lifeline started working in Colombia?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, when I started in August, 2011, um, I feel like one of the very first programs I walked into that you handed me was our Columbia adoption program. And that, not- we had not been licensed yet. Um, we were in the process of compiling our license and pretty sure within my first two or three weeks, you, me, and a couple of our other staff took a trip to Columbia to learn the program and pretty quickly fell in love with the people or culture of the country. It's just so beautiful. So we started working in international adoption in 2011, and I think it was probably around 2015, we really started researching, is there any capacities for unadopted to work? Um, in Colombia, just because they had some strict rules we had to walk through. Um, and so once we kind of got that permission, we started building our unadopted program here.
0: Yeah, and what, a, what an awesome trip that was. Uh, we were able to go to Medellin and to Cali and to Bogota. And I remember, uh, Sassy, we came back from that trip and our, our big vision was how do we connect the local church you know, in all of this work, yes, we want to see international adoption happen where appropriate for children that are waiting and need those homes. But ultimately, we'd love to yeah. partner with the church. And uh, and even in Bogota, we, we had this vision of partnering with the church, but the door was really shut towards that at the very beginning of really being able to partner with the church. And unfortunately, you know, the church hadn't followed through with what they had said they would do in Columbia and it left a bad taste in the mouth of some of those. But now we're starting to see the local church uh, wake back up and and, and get more engaged. So uh, Oscar, tell us a little bit about just how these connections to the local church came to be. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be back in the,
2: podcast again so um, yeah I think I think that movement starts from what uh, supposed to be to start from the beginning Um, I knew about so many movements about orphan care here in Colombia but the problem was like we're members of the churches that were doing something without pastor knowing what was the biblical component of orphan care when we jump to the pastor and start talking with pastor like hey, this is something that we aren't asking you to join, like a new movement, but this is something that comes from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And as a local church, as a believer, as the bride of Christ, we need to start doing something. So some of the pastors grab, and thankfully you were here to experience that. Remember that meeting that we have like two two or three different pastors, and they were like, yes, let's do something. And we started doing the conference for pastors here in Bogota. And conference after conference, we have have seen how local churches, so far we have three local churches like really Mm commitment to this work, Mm -hmm. but some other local churches have been like asking like, how can I join? How can I uh, I started like preaching about orphans from, from the church, you know, how can I started sorting and equipping my church, the local church, to do something regardless to the orphan care. So I think it was like starting from the beginning, like let's go to the leadership, let's go to the pastors. They know they preach every Sunday. The idea is not to come in here and have like an international or a local uh, speaker, which is good. You know, but the idea is how can we equip those pastors to talk with the to the to the congregations mm-hmm. and lead the congregation to orphan care. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the key there, and that's taking us like all the way after four years, three years, sorry, mm-hmm. three years to this point.
0: Amen. And I, I remember that first meeting. Uh, that was awesome. Yeah, it was. And and to see those pastors catch that vision. And then the next idea was let's do a training and equipping here. And uh, the Lord was gracious to allow my family and I to come two years ago and uh, spend the summer with you guys. And it culminated almost exactly two years ago with that first conference and the, the passion of, of the pastors, the passion of the people was was just absolutely awesome. And uh, we knew something exciting was was happening. But but I think even to what you said, Oscar, one of the best things about the, even that first uh, orphan care conference, pastors conference that we did in August of 18, was when the three pastors at your home church, uh, Renesara, Iglesia Baptiste, uh, they preached on from the word on why we should care for the orphan. And that was exciting because it wasn't just that they had caught the vision to allow the conference to happen, Mm, but now they were from the word teaching and preaching the importance of gospel-driven justice.
1: That
2: was great. And even, I don't know if you remember some of them, I know one of them was like confessing like, hey, I have to to repent because I've been in the seminary for a long time. And I, I I seen this verse, I see the scripture, yeah. but I never put it together how the local church uh, have the responsibility to take for, uh, yeah. to care for all of them. So that was a beauty there too. And this is repeatedly happening, Herbie, here in mm-hmm. Colombia. The guy that was in the uh, um, Facebook Live two weeks ago when we had Dr. Rick mm-hmm. joining us, the guy that was translating is a pastor in the north of Colombia. Mm-hmm. Afterward, He tested me through WhatsApp and he was like, I've been in seminary. I've been a seminary guy, been a pastor for three years. I'm planting a church and I never put this together. I have to repent because I, as a church, as a believer, as a pastor, I need to do something and I need to teach my congregation. How can we take for orphans? So it's something that is unbelievable, unbelievable that when we put that together, like we go from the Bible, And we go from the pastors, Mm. how that movement can go to the whole member of the church. So a beauty out of there.
0: And that's that even, even that whole thing. I mean, it, it started with this vision from the pastors and and the neat thing two years ago is after a Sunday of this conference, the members of the church were were literally coming up to all of us going, what, what do I do now? Like I'm ready. What's that next step? And and they just started on Sunday afternoons, very simple step, visiting an orphanage, visiting a home, a children's home to to care for those children. How have you seen the passion through the people grow and, and, and just really uh, catch on fire over the last two years? Yeah, I think like their eyes been open to the
2: need, you know, like yeah. little by little, like taking in our economic, like human economic point of view, is like, men had taken two years, but little by little, they started volunteering in an orphanage. After that, they started, like, some of the family started foster care, foster care. Some of the family wanted to adopt. And now some of the family want to be part of a mentorship program. Um, yeah. FANA is uh, starting this, the, in this period of, you know, life that we all face in the COVID-19 situation, global situation. So little by little, they've been like increasing that passion. Like, oh, I thought it was only volunteer. No, there is foster care. You can, you can yeah. open your home to do a foster family. And they were like, oh, I didn't know that that, that was a thing and Mm -hmm. then adoption and then this program, I think like, uh, I think that it's been increasing slowly, but deeper that that, that's what I I would, I I would like to call it.
1: Yeah. I think everyone was really excited in the beginning, which is really important. And that's, that's so key, right? Like we want everyone to be really convicted and excited to be involved in this, this world and this part of ministry. Um, And then I just think with a Colombian culture where people love kids, love kids, so hospitable. It was just like an easy Mm. way for them to serve children. And so, but most of them had never heard of it because Mm. here things are very separated. Like, and that's in, in the United States, it's all over the world. Unless these things directly impact us, sometimes we don't know these things exist. These needs exist. So I think it started off really excited and it was really sweet to see how each family in our congregation was exploring the options of how they could get involved and some people wanted to adopt but maybe they were older like in their like 60s or 70s and they can't adopt but or too young or, yeah they were too young so like maybe the roles they were pursuing just like any of us you know the lord may close those doors but he opened it in another facet and so now some of those are foster care families you know and some of them are probably the best volunteers we've ever seen. Like they go every Sunday, you know? So it's been really sweet to see how the Lord's directed their path.
0: Well, I remember, I don't know if it was a WhatsApp uh, message or if it was initially a phone call or a zoom, but then the word came that we had families that were ready to be foster families and they fit the criteria and it was now time to train them. Talk a little bit about those first couples being trained and licensed to be foster families?
1: So what happened was, like you said, it was really kind of spring of this year. We've had a couple of families really look and investigate and consider, but you know, it's scary to be the first one in your church to do something like that. We all know that, like, and I'm sure many people listening can testify to that. Um, So when COVID hit actually in March, we got a phone call immediately from the central authority, the government, um, child welfare government branch here. That was just like, we, we've got to have foster families like ASAP because the unfortunate part is kids are not leaving foster care. They're not leaving orphanages during COVID, but unfortunately so many are coming in. So like the need was still there, but they didn't have a line of foster families. The orphanages like were pretty much full. So they really, really wanted us to find some Christian foster families, which was amazing. So it's just, just. See how far that's come in, you know, nine years is insane. And so um, Oscar over here worked with the government and worked with the churches and just kind of shared the need. And we saw probably about 14 families, 15 families families come forward. Mm -hmm. And it was really sweet because just to kind of give some context, um, the government here, they do kind of like an orientation or an onboarding process. And they'll check the home to make sure it's safe, you know, just very checklist things mm. to make sure the situation's safe. But they don't really do a lot of education or training. Um, they're still learning a lot about what are the effects of trauma, what are the effects of, um, what how do you need to parent differently as a foster family? So what <laughs> we've been doing the last like four or five years has been working with the government to provide in-person foster care training, um, which has been really sweet, but then being able to do this with 15 believers, you know, and it kind of changed because obviously we can go deep with them, right? We can talk about the gospel. We can talk about the mission and vision, and we can talk about how God has equipped them, you know, to to care for these specific children's needs, but we had to do it all through Zoom. (laughs) So it was a little bit of a challenge because Oscar and I are very extroverted and we really love to be relationally like in person and, go deep and be very mm-hmm. interactive. But I'll say this, it was really sweet. We did it like every Saturday for about a month or two. And just to be able to have people come from Colombia all over, just to be able to join. I mean, we we got to train
2: Yeah, somehow the war went out. Yeah, it was and people from Argentina joining us, people yeah. from Costa Rica joining us Venezuela. Like, Venezuela. And we were like how?
1: <laughs> That's <what I> mean. good. <laughs> we don't know what happened. So, long story short, the government here asked us to do the online training on Saturdays. And so with those 15 families, and they were from all over Colombia, the Amazon jungle, mm. we've worked with families there. We worked with families in the north on the coast, here in Bogota, um, just all local believers. And then the word spread, and people were like, We don't have that in our countries. Can we just come listen? Mm. We're foster families. Can we just come listen? So it, it really just spread to be this really sweet educational opportunity. And from there, we've been working with each foster family a little more individually because now they have their kids, right? So now it's a lot different <laughs> once you have the kid in your home. So they'll call and say, Hey, why is, you know, I know we talked about eating or we talked about, you know, fight, them fighting with each other, if they're siblings. What can I do to help in this moment? How can I show Christ to them in this moment? But, you know, in a way that's going to really help them figure out or learn this. So since then, I think it's been a little bit more one-on-one partnership.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And now we've seen not just these families trained, but now we have families that are are getting a placement. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, this first couple that have a placement, a little bit about their story and how they became foster parents? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be kind of funny to tell a little bit about the history
2: because <laughs> they haven't been married for two years, right? But mm-hmm. so they wanted to do something, you know. Alvaro is a church planter, and they're planting a church right now. Mm-hmm. And they're living in the place that uh, they have the meetings. The church, church, church meetings. building. Yeah, the church building in the second floor. So they're living in the same place. When he called me like, hey, I heard the word that you you guys are looking for foster family." My wife and I would like to participate in that. Let me know how can I do. And I was like, yeah, okay. But I didn't have a clue that they were living in the church, you know, <laughs> second floor of the church. And it's not a split, you know, like, whatever, whoever who goes to the church can go to the apartment. <laughs> so <laughs> that was kind of funny because I was like, okay, I can, I mean, like, I can talk with the government and see what we can do. So the government didn't see any problem. They said like, hey, we need, we we need these we're families, desperate. you know, we desperate. We don't know where to place those kids. So hmm. let's do something. Since uh churches can't have service right now because the COVID restriction regulation or whatever, you know, what about if they can like, you know, take care of this kid till the government opens up the churches again, you know, or give hmm. the permission to open up the service again. Hmm. So I talked with them back today and I was like, hey Albaron Yari, you know, like that's gonna be the situation, maybe if you gonna start like doing foster care? It's not gonna be longer than a month because you know, like, (laughs) like it's gonna be people coming back and forth, and the government have to protect these kids, you know, to get COVID or whatever because it's their responsibility. Responsibility. And he goes like, you know what? We don't care. We we just want to serve. Mm -hmm. So they were the first couple that got a civil group of two.
1: Yeah, yeah, nine and eleven years. Nine and eleven years old. That's a big. Mm First placement. <laughs> and
2: the beauty of all of this, like since they living in the church, you know, like mm-hmm. people from the church was like dropping food, dropping food for yeah. the kids, mm-hmm. like asking them, like, how can we serve you guys? Mm-hmm. Like even the the musician in the church were giving some online classes to the, the kids. So mm-hmm. that was a beauty there. And they've been mm-hmm. happy. They, they've been struggling a little bit because they were like, this is not our personal space, it's the church space, and to be honest, we don't know when we have to open and we have to say goodbye to the skills, yeah. Hmm. So
1: they're already
2: they, preparing, they really like grieving a little bit because they know what the government and the government this week uh started like opening like uh theater and things like that when people can you know meet but uh, with amount of people restriction no more than 30 so they see an opportunity to open up the church again mm-hmm. so they, they started grieving like man i know we have to say goodbye we wouldn't like them to go but by the government restriction that like they can be mm-hmm. the kids can be like in all of that you know more than 10 people or five people or whatever i think like they they have to live but they've been like Exciting, calling us like, "Hey!" Sending us picture like, "Hey!" Yeah. See what uh, Carlos uh, drew, or, or yeah. see what uh, Mariana—I think is the name of the mm-hmm. girl—like told me. Like, let's. They've been singing. They've been playing the or piano. She just been opened up to me
1: and shared her story with me.
2: So oh, yeah. we've so been me. able
1: to celebrate with them every step and and struggle with them every step oh, of the absolutely, way.
2: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So there's been a beauty there mm-hmm. out of the, the ashes. I, yeah. I would say.
0: Oh, in so many ways, a beauty out of the ashes, because what a global pandemic you would think would stop everything. But yeah. because of the need that this global pandemic has created, yes. it's created a, more of a need for the church. And glory be to God that there's this church planner and there are these families that are ready to fill that void and that need. Uh, friends, what what would you say is the vision for where this program, where this foster care program would, would go in Columbia?
1: So I would just say that like, we are piloting this, you know, in many ways. And, um, I think we didn't want to start too big, too fast. That's always been a concern of ours because we, we really want to build relationships. We really want to go deep. And we also want to see, you know, learn the processes, the steps, the system. It's one thing to know about it and hear about it and read about it. It's a whole other thing to live it. Mm -hmm. And so our heart was to take a handful of Nealese's first 15 Mm -hmm. and really just see where God was going to lead in this situation and just really be learners, be humble learners in this. And so I feel like as a result of that, we've been, all of us, you know, at Lifeline and the churches have been talking about, okay, what next? Mm -hmm. You know, what next? And so our heart would be um, just plainly said is that these local pastors and leaders and these other foster families who are, who are now orphan care leaders in their own communities, Mm. that they are going to be um, first examples and role models to show Mm. that it, it is hard, but it is not impossible and it's needed and it's important. And God uses this and why he does. So we're hoping that other people will be able to come in and fill similar roles or be called to adoption Mm. or volunteering or family preservation. We know that you know, all of this work is tied together. You know, this isn't separate lanes, it's all tied together. So, our hearts really to see the pastors kind of and leaders step out mm-hmm. in their own congregations, and our hearts to go behind the scenes. And Oscar always says this very nicely that we will be the bridesmaids and the church will be the bride. And our role will really be to equip them, you know, to help them feel like they have um, counseling support and that they have the education and training and counseling and just the biblical you know foundation foundation moving forward but eventually in the next year or two we want to start training those leaders Mm -hmm. to be trainers themselves we don't want to be the trainers like our hearts not to be on display our heart is to see local colombians leading local Mm -hmm. colombians to serve colombian children and not that we want to be narrow in that vision but i mean i'll just say this from a a social work perspective for these children to be able to stay in their cultures and their languages and their communities and to be served by believers, you know, and loved by believers and learn the gospel firsthand. Um, There's just a lot to be said, how God can use that in some really unique ways. So our heart is really, we're actually creating um, a training system right now, and we're creating education and resources in Spanish. Um, Just so you guys know, there's not many, there's everything in English. There is not much in Spanish. (laughs) Um, So Oscar and his team are... Um, poor guys translating everything I sent to them. And so we are working very hard to get things in native languages. That will make sense. And
2: contextualize. And
1: contextualize it. to make sure that it fits Colombian culture, not just American culture. Yeah. Um, so we're working on the resources and the trainings. And then Oscar's working on discipleship with yeah. the churches.
2: So I, I think like now, like a couple churches, local churches have been like, okay, what next? Like mm-hmm. they are, they are in the real, you know, we, we have noticed some gaps and we have like local support. Like um, we got called 10, <laughs> 10 PM and that. Like, hey, yeah. how, can I, how can I do? And we, we love to help. We love yeah. to t- take those calls, you know, we, we love to take those and, and respond those tests, yeah. but we were like, okay, what about if we have some local, you know, taking care of their own people like yeah. uh, a social work, local social work, local psychology, because, you know, when it comes to from the government, the government has a tight budget, you know? Yeah. And their sp- perspective is like, oh, if the kid's not behaving well, let's send them to the institution. Hmm. And we won- we don't want to send a, a-, a kid from uh, to an institution after they experience a, a family, you know? Yeah. Like, That's how can we have appealing. those counselors, you know, like from a biblical perspective, like helping yeah. those families? Like with these 15 families, we have, we have seen like, oh, we need more counselors. Yeah. We need people that know social work, psychology, sociology, whatever, but they also know the Bible, but they also know trauma, attachment, uh, how to deal with sex, sexual abuse, yeah. like all of these things together, you know, for the church to keep To serve forward. their church. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, friends, I know as we kind of close our time together, what, what are some ways that, that people can support this work that the Lord is doing in Columbia? What are some needs uh, in Columbia that would even help further this foster care ministry and would meet the needs there on the ground?
1: Um, I'll start. And then Oscar obviously Mm. can add, I would say first, obviously prayer. Um, It's really sweet when we can tell anyone here, the government, um, the orphanage directors, foster families, churches, everyone that, you know, we've got, believers back in the states partnering and sharing with them in prayer over them that they're not alone that they're not forgotten that you know that cuz a lot of times this this part of ministry can feel very lonely we all know that like that if you're the first person fostering in your church you no one else understands you sometimes you know what i mean mm. and so for them to know that there's other families that I mean, people get very emotional and grateful here for that. So just prayer for that, for them specifically, and prayer for the Lord's will to be done. I mean, He has opened so many doors that nine years ago, I would have never thought were opened or able to be opened. And in that vein, I think there's still more to go. And I'm really excited about that. And then that the Lord would bring the right people. You know, we were talking about train the trainers, and we're talking about counselors, and we're talking about, Or if it's like a local leader here in Columbia, we're we're starting to hire one um, to really like work with the governments and the churches a little more directly, that the Lord would bring the right people, Mm. um, the right believers to this position. And then for us, I mean, (laughs) tangibly how people can get involved is there's a great need for um, just financial support. And I don't want to go there lightly, but it's just Mm. the sense of um, helping provide translations. Mm. helping provide resources we can put. Yeah. Helping provide training materials. We, when we put the training, the trainers together and as we're starting to talk to the churches about different forms of training to equip them, to serve their communities. Um, Columbia has a lot of needs. So it's not really always the most uh, easy to get resources or um, just provide materials and so forth. So sponsoring trainings or sponsoring trainers um, almost like a scholarship in a sense. We're going to kind of be opening that door soon. But really just being able to be involved in those ways. And I, I mean, I know Oscar can speak towards ways to help the church.
2: No, um, I would say like, just like add a little bit of what you, you just say, like yeah. it's all good. It's like, I know local churches in the state that have way more experience Yes, doing uh, foster <laughs> care, adoption, um, um families count like family preservation, and there is a big gap here in Colombia for that. And mm-hmm. not only in Colombia, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak on <laughs> behalf of Latino America. Mm-hmm. There is a big gap in Latin America, you know. M- many of the organizations that are working are working with their nails, you know, mm-hmm. like a little by little, but working to uh, bring kids to foster families or adoption families but we aren't working to prevent most of the time. Mm. So I, I just want to invite those local churches that has experience with family preservation and foster care to see how we can join the work here mm. down in Latino America, especially in Colombia. Mm. Like there is so many experience. There is so many like things mm. like we can share, you yeah. know, like you guys can share to a new movement here in Latino America. Yeah. Like, I know that we can talk about scholarship and all of that, oh, but yeah. experience is, like, a big need For here. For sure. Encouragement to those pastors that are starting, and they see families, like, struggling, you know, by the effect of trauma of those kids, you know? Like, that would be really appreciate, appreciated here. Like, talking pastor to pastor, like, that's the way we started. We suffered. We, we, we saw families, like, crying, like, Things like that that the yeah. pastor are like, okay, that's not something that is yeah. uh, a part of orphan care. This is part of orphan care. And it's happening here in the Colombia, in the States, Europe, or whatever we're doing orphan care. But a lot of experience. We need a lot of experience. We need a lot of uh, knowledge. Partnership. partnership partnership, with that. And I will add something else in the very end is uh, church planting. Yeah, I know if we started thinking about how we can plant churches in those uh, places, yeah. hard places, we can prevent families to get broken.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So church planting is a big thing and goes together with family preservation and go together with orphan care. You know, yeah. like yeah. we mm-hmm. may uh, prevent kids to go into the system mm-hmm. and keep with their own families. So that would be also like a big need. Then we can think in the future here in Colombia or Latin America. Too.
1: Yeah, Amen.
0: absolutely. Amen. Well, friends, so grateful for the opportunity to partner with you guys and to see firsthand what the Lord is doing there in Colombia. And we pray and hope that this movement will spread outside of Colombia uh, into other countries in Latin America and, and obviously throughout the world as we see the global church equipped to truly manifest this glorious gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. Well, thank you for joining us today for the Defender podcast, and please connect with us and certainly go to lifelinechild.org to learn more information about how you can get engaged with what the Lord is doing through the local church in Columbia.